Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. So thankful for the goodness of our great God and for His great love for us. Thankful that God uh, takes a bunch of nobodies and He fills them with somebody and He uses them on mission for the glory of His name. And that's the kind of mission that uh, that we can sign up for, right? That we, uh, nothing good in us, but Christ in us. Christ on the inside makes a difference on the outside. And today we're going to continue to look in 1 Peter chapter number 3. If you are a guest uh, with us this morning, we are so grateful for your presence. We are a church that walks uh, almost all the time just verse by verse through the scriptures and it is a joy to look at the full counsel of God's Word. We've been looking in 1 Peter 3 and just at this thought of healthy relationships. And this morning, I want to share a recipe that the Lord shared with us in 1 Peter chapter number 3. We're going to begin in verse 8. And we're going to look at a recipe for healthy relationships. And when we think about relationships, all of us desire healthy relationships. We we have things in our mind that we think about when we think about what does a healthy relationship look like. What are some things that you know might pop in your mind? You might say, "Hey, I, uh, you know, I, there's certain characteristics, certain things that we would want uh, in those relationships." Maybe you're a teenager and you're saying, "Hey, I'd love to have healthy relationships with my friend. I'd love to have healthy relationships." Maybe you're a husband and wife and you're saying, hey, "I'd love to have a healthy relationship uh, in my marriage." Uh, whatever your case is this morning. We're going to see this recipe is made with some key ingredients. And today I brought some ingredients with me. Um, I've got a few things. This is one of my favorite recipes, and this is my wife's recipe book. And there's a lot of little handwritten recipes in here. And this one says Oreo cookie pie by Lynn Gibson. And, and you know when you have, like, handwritten recipes that are handed down, you know that they're really, really good. And, uh, you know, a recipe really is, is very simple. It's something that's been tried. Now, sometimes we try to make our own recipe. We're like, ah, a little dab of this and a little dab of that, right? We just kind of do that kind of thing, right? But, but these recipes, we read them, and they've been tested, and we just basically try to follow instructions so that we can create something that tastes amazing. And so this is one of my favorite desserts. I've got a few things here. I've got some ingredients that are in this dessert, and some of these already made, give me just a second, now these ingredients, this one has vanilla pudding, it has cream cheese in, in that bowl, uh, it has uh, powdered sugar, I've got some powdered sugar in here, but the mess I made upstairs, I'm going to leave a little bit uh, in our early service, I'm going to leave a little bit of this uh, intact, but uh, you'll see the jello pudding there, you see a Think of Oreos, and it takes a, a, a whole pack of these, or as many as are left, uh, when my wife begins to make them. Um, and so, so that's the basic ingredients of this. And, and there's something kind of neat about this specific recipe. Every ingredient's really good on its own. Uh, everything, man, it, it, it tastes good by itself. But there's something amazing about this specific recipe when you put them all together. There's something just incredible about that, and, and I think it makes one of the best desserts ever, and so as we open God's Word today, I want to talk to you about a recipe for healthy relationships in an unhealthy 
culture. You know, we're in a world where everywhere you turn, there's trouble and there's strife, there's division, there's problems, there's difficulty and really trouble all around. You know, peace is not a, a word that might describe many relationships within our midst. And we're picking up here in 1 Peter 3. And, and if you were with us as we begin to walk through this, you remember in chapter 2, along about at verse maybe 11, verse 11 and 12, we made this statement that we want to live in reflection to outsiders. And we want to know that we want to live our lives in a way that remembers and recognizes that there's a world that's watching, right? That there are people uh, outside of uh, the body of Christ that are watching, and we want to be good representatives. We want to uh, be a good example in that. We looked at our relationship with the government uh, as we continued in that passage, and we said this is how we interact uh, with government. This is how we interact uh, even with masters. We saw this example that uh, that the Lord gave us as, as how masters engaged with uh, their slaves and how slaves to masters. And we talked a little bit about our work uh, environment. Last week we talked about husbands and wives. And now today, Peter's going to give us uh, this recipe, right? God gives us this recipe, these ingredients. There's five ingredients in one verse. And these qualities are things that we should express in every relationship, right, with every person who is in our lives, but especially with brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you find these characteristics, you're going to find healthy relationships. When you find a, a people with these characteristics, you're going to find a healthy body of believers. You're going to find these characteristics individually and then together as a group. And like this Oreo pie, the ingredients are really good by themselves, but there's something beautiful when they come together. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, for the moments that we have today, Lord, and as we begin to open your word, God, I pray, Lord, that it would not be, uh, God, my words, but, but, but yours, Lord. I pray that you would take your word, God, and that you would change us from the inside out. God, I pray, Lord, that we would see the condition of our heart, God, that you would speak to us in the power of your spirit, God, and you might allow us to see, uh, Lord, and just look deep within ourselves. God, when we read these words, Father, I pray that you help me not to say, well, this person needs this characteristic or that person needs that characteristic, but Lord, I pray that you would, God, search me, Lord, and that you would know my heart, Lord. I pray, God, that every person in this room, God, that that would be our prayer, God, and if there's anything, God, that's wicked, and God, if there's anything that is not following you, God, is not in submission to you, God, I pray that that you would change that in the power of your spirit, God, and that you would send us out on mission for the glory of your name, Lord, empowered by your spirit, God, to reflect you in our lives to a world so desperately in need of the purity and the beauty and the life surrendered to Christ displayed. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning in verse 8, uh, Scripture says this, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Now, we're going to eventually get through about verse 12, but I want to point out a couple of things. The very first thing that we see in this passage is it's evident that there's a, a shift, right? There's a transition in thought here, and, and Peter says, all of you. So, if you're wondering who that includes, right, it's all of us. It's everyone that's online, everyone under the sound of my voice in 
this room. And so here's this new section, and he says, all of you be. And then he begins to list a recipe for what I believe is healthy relationships. And he lists these things out. And the very first thing he says, all of you be uh, harmonious, right? And so ingredient number one is harmony. Now, for there to be harmony, each of us have to be harmonious. Now, we all enjoy music in harmony. This thought of harmony, it's this picture being united in the same mind, that there's this agreement. And, and when we experience a, a band and when we experience worship and we experience music, it's beautiful when it's in harmony. And this morning, man, what an amazing job that our band does every week just leading us to the throne. And I'm so grateful uh, for the gifts that God has given them and for them using them uh, for the glory of His name. But I want you to know every one of them could have got up there and played their own song this morning, right? They, they, everyone, they know a bunch of them. And so they could have all played their own song, but they were uh, in submission to someone that was, was leading, right? And they were like-minded, and they came in beautiful harmony under the direction of a leader for the purpose of glorifying the Lord, for the purpose of making beautiful music. And so I want to play a video, and I think it'll be a really good example of harmony. I think it'll be a really good example of seeing how that works. And it's going to be a clip, maybe from a couple of years ago, um, and so you may not recognize it at first, but you'll see some really neat things about uh, the worship. You're going to see it come on slow. I saw Graham uh, and Linda Shaw watching online, and you'll see Graham uh, on the violin. And so there's this uh, place the music kind of begins in. You'll see Steve overdoing the key thing he does, you know, like, oh, it's awesome. You know, and he, you'll see that, and then all of a sudden you'll see the violin come in, and Clark's on the guitar, and then you'll, you know, the drums. Are, I mean, it's like, man, this is awesome, right? And then you'll hear the voices begin to blend. And I just want to give you this beautiful picture of, Harmony. So let, let's let's go ahead and check this out. Um. Hear the violin coming in there, man. Graham, that's awesome. Some of y'all had enough of that one, right? Already. So, so, you know, I only had to do that once, and they've never unmuted my mic early, uh, for sure. Like, I, I used to, like, I'll just control my own, and so, like, I turned it off a little early, and then, you know, it, it wasn't so harmonious there. Um, I, I got a text from Scott Cummings after that. I don't know what to think about this guy, but he says uh, that day after that, he was like, hey, you and Clark had a nice duet this morning. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you should go back and listen, man. It's awesome. I'm like, no, it's not. So, But, you know, I'm thankful that God has given us different gifts um, for the purpose of edifying him, for the purpose of, of, of growing us together in him. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible how God takes the body of Christ and uses us together. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, uh, shares some, some very... Just great truths as we look at that. Verse 11 says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body 
Christ, right? There's a purpose in the gifts and the, and the assembling of God's people, the way he puts us together as the body of Christ. And then he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Look at this harmony. There's this beautiful uh, thing that we see here. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Paul wrote in Colossians, he said, we, we proclaim him, we preach him. And he said, we, we give everything we have, basically, Paul says, to present every man complete in Christ. That this is our part. And God uses different people within the body of Christ. He uses uh, different gifts, and he uses all those things to help us know him more. There's nothing about any gift that anyone uses that is to edify themselves, but they are all so that we might know him more, that we might uh, learn through, our, through your stories, through your gifts, through uh, some of the characteristics that we will look at today. There's this harmony that comes together. There's this unity of faith as we know who he is and we submit uh, to him in our lives and we walk in unity toward maturity. That's where we go as a body of believers, right? That's what God is doing in us. Verse 16 of, of Ephesians 4 says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And that's what God is doing. Now, when we think about gifts, that, that J.I. Packer says this. He says, the ability to speak or act in a certain way is only a spiritual gift if and as God uses it to build up the body. Some natural abilities or talents that God has given, he never uses in this way, while sometimes he chooses to build up his body through performances that in our eyes seem substandard. What he's saying is what makes a, something a spiritual gift is not the quality of the performance, but the blessing of God. I'll never forget Bobby Bolick, who is one of our deacons. We were in a, a deacon's meeting one time, and Bobby had the devotion, and uh, Bobby was going to share, and he said, I really believe God wanted, uh, just wants me to, to share this with me. He talked a little bit about how he would go up on the mountain and pray and how he would worship the Lord, and he said, I just really want to sing just this song of worship to our God for a little bit. Bobby is not an incredibly gifted singer and someone that will be on some kind of billboard chart somewhere, but I want you to know when he sung that day in that deacon's meeting, it I was moved to tears as he worshipped his great God. God desires that in oneness we would worship him, and the oneness that he desires in our church begins in each of us. And it's not done by forcing our opinion on all kind of external things. We're in a time and in a world where there's a lot of external things. It's not those things that, it's not by forcing our opinion, but by figuring out what's important in the midst of this world. And we grow in Christ. There are certain things, right, that are core issues, and we could uh, talk about those things all day, right? It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone that we uh, are, are able to be saved, right? That we are saved uh, by His grace, right? We are, uh, that we could go about all these things, that, that this is the Word of God, right? And that it's true. There's so many things that we uh, unite on, but we live in this harmonious way as God puts us together for the glory of his name, growing in him. Then he says that we're to be sympathetic. So he says that here's this uh, harmonious and then sympathetic. So the ingredient number two uh, is sympathy. Ingredient number two uh, is this picture of us sharing feelings with 
others, especially maybe when it comes to sorrow or anguish, when it comes to those kind of things. Uh, there are people that are in this building that are going through all kinds of different things, people that have experienced tremendous loss, people, uh, I, I talked to somebody in between our services uh, that were uh, here this morning, and, and they're just moved into a new house, right, and when they're experiencing joy, right, they're experiencing the joy of that. Many of our uh, brotherhood and other folks came together and helped them move yesterday, and they shared in that joy, and we uh, share in the joy, and we share also in the sorrow of those that are around. This, this doesn't happen easy in an environment like this, right? It happens in smaller uh, connection, our D groups, in, our, uh, in our, our smaller group settings where we learn and grow together, right, in community. But all of us should be sharing in the joy and in the sorrow of other people in our lives. We all exhibit those kind of things. Number three, uh, the third ingredient is this picture. It says brotherly, and there's this picture of brotherly Love, And so this is characterized, the word that's used there, it's characterized by uh, this love for fellow believers, for other believers inside uh, the family of God. And we, any siblings in the room, anybody got a brother and sister, anybody got some of those kind of things? I want to ask, maybe parents even in, in the room of siblings, do they ever argue or fight? You know, there's laughter always from parents when that happens, and when you ask that question, right? But, but one of the things we see, there may be these little moments of disagreement or those kind of things that are there, but there's something greater about the family relationship than, than being right about that argument or being in those kind of things. And so we see this brotherly love as, as we love our brothers and sisters in Christ as family. Right? We are the family of God, and, and it's demonstrated by love, right? We see... Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's this picture of this ongoing active demonstration of his love for us. And as followers of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the body of Christ, as we love one another, there should be this ongoing display of God's love being pressed out through us as we love one another. And we do that by serving one another. Who is it that you're serving? Right? Who is it that we're mourning with? Who is it that we're experiencing joy with? Who is it that we're serving who is it that we're uh, giving of ourselves for? Number four, the fourth ingredient he lists out is this picture of being kind-hearted. So we see harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, and then kind-hearted. Now the word for that, that's translated kind-hearted has some meaning in it that you just don't get in just reading the English translation. You just don't get kind-hearted. Okay, what does that mean, right? The word that is translated, uh, comes from this word splagnon, and there's this, this uh, picture of bowels. Really, the, the, the translation of this world word would be uh, this picture of healthy bowels or good bowels, and there's, there's this picture of when Jesus, do you remember in, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 9 where it said that he looked and he saw the crowds, and he said they were, uh, they were, they were uh, like sheep without a shepherd. He said he saw the people and he had compassion for them. And what this picture is, have you ever been in a situation where you were around somebody and you, uh, you saw the situation that they were in and you literally hurt on the inside? Right? It's, this, it's this deep, you know, inner feeling. That's the picture of, of this compassion that's there. Now, Jesus saw these people and, and he, he was moved with compassion because they were distressed and dispirited, right? Like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. Now, it's got some similarities 
with this thought of sympathy in uh, the second trait, but it, it gives this picture of something on the inside creating a response on the outside, right? This condition of being healthy on the inside. And a lot of times in our world, we see people that put on a show to be kind-hearted. They want to act kind-hearted, but then in the midst of the moments when they're away from that setting or away from that, uh, they're maybe speaking negatively or they're in a different uh, situation. It's, there's this hypocrisy that puts on kindness in front of people but has a different way. This is a, the exact opposite of that. It's this genuine, heartfelt compassion that results in us being kind-hearted, results in us engaging in that way. And ingredient number five. So, so we've got these first four ingredients. The first one was this harmonious look. The, the fifth one uh, is humility. And these two are kind of bookends on uh, this deal. And this thought of humility, we, we know what that means, right? We think about someone being humble. It's this thought of us being meek or modest in thoughts about ourselves. The primary way harmony is messed up is through selfishness and pride. See, when we're humble, we recognize others as more important than ourselves. And in the midst of this, right, the middle term in this is brotherly love, and all of it is an overflow of love, right? We love one another together as a family. And when we love as a family, there's this harmony, right? There's this sympathy. There's this compassion. We're, we're looking out, right? Love is looking out for the best interest of other people. When we think about like, right, we like people based on them, right? But we love people based on Him and based on our relationship with Him. And out of an overflow of His love for us and the grace that's been extended to us, we love people. See, we're, you might find humility in people where they have a high position of power, where they're uh, they're blessed with wealth, where they're maybe in all these different things, but they carry themselves to a point of lowliness and submission. You know, Scripture says, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this position of humility says, I will desire myself for the sake of Christ. I will desire my desires, my needs, and I will put others ahead of me. And it only can happen in Christ, right? And we see that beautifully in the body of Christ. Look at verse 9. We see this. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So we resist the world's way. The world's way says, hey, you hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. We're going to re retaliate. We're going to return evil for evil. That's what the world does. But we resist these retaliatory responses in the moment for the cause of Christ. See, we're not going to respond based on what we feel like a person deserves because we recognize that that reaction is going to cause all kinds of things, right? The world would tell you that that kind of reaction, first of all, it never ends. Like, if you return evil for evil, it's never over. Like, that person's going to return something back. It's not like, oh, hey, we're even. Let's quit. That's not how it works. And the world would say, hey, if you do that, you might lose a friend or you might lose uh, something in this relationship, but the gospel says that you might lose the ability to share the good news of who Jesus is. You may lose the opportunity to ever reach someone for Jesus Christ. And he says instead of that, now not only does he say don't return evil for evil, that's hard enough sometimes if we're honest, right? that's hard enough in our flesh, but he says not only do you not return evil for evil, but bless them instead. He says give a blessing instead. Jesus said, hey, if uh, if you're smote on this cheek, hey, turn the other one to him as well. We, we see 
this countercultural call to respond differently in this world, right? And, and it says we resist this thought of returning evil for evil for the very purpose, because you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing. Now, this is not some kind of works-based salvation that says, hey, you return all these things and you operate in this way and you can earn your salvation. That's not what he's saying. Remember uh, in James, as we were walking through, uh, through the book of James, and we said that, that faith without works is dead, and it wasn't this work-based salvation. But he said that, hey, listen, your works are going to be evidence of what God's done in your life, that, that you're going you're to see evidence of conversion, evidence of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says those who have new life in Christ, Peter's saying, hey, listen, those that are saved, those that are in Christ, we're going to see a different way than this world. We're going to see evidence of that. Anybody ever had a moment where you respond in a moment and then immediately following that, there's regret for the way that you responded? I've done that more times than I would like to admit. What feels good in our flesh in a moment will result many times in regret in the moment to follow. And we've got to walk in the Spirit, right? Scripture says that if we walk in the Spirit, we're not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that we wouldn't give into that. Really, all these things that we're seeing, they are a fruit of the Spirit of God living in us. Right? We, we see in John 15 that we're, uh, we're, to, we're, to, we're to call uh, really to, uh, to abide in Him. There's this picture, a lot of times we say, hey, what does this, what does this say? He says, hey, we're supposed to abide in Him and we'll bear much fruit. And a lot of times we say, hey, what are we supposed to do? And the believer says, hey, we're to bear fruit. But really what the Scripture says is we're to abide in Him. And as a result of that relationship, right, it's not this, this pressing and trying and figuring out a way that somehow we're going to walk out of here and do this. It's this, this understanding that in our own strength, we will never be able to do this. But it's saying, I'm going to hold on to the vine with all that I have. I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to start my day in his word. I'm going to engage uh, in prayer before I go out into this world. And I'm going to allow the life of Christ to be pressed through the branches. Right? He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are to respond differently. This word bless, it's to speak well of. That's the meaning and so we don't react against them by returning evil for evil by speaking harshly by striking out we seek to find something good about them and to share it we seek to bless them and he says you were called for this very purpose look at verse 10 he said the one who desires life to love and to see good days man we want to see good days and i want you to understand if we're waiting on something external in this world to all of a sudden change everything about our days and make them good, we're never going to experience good days because there's always going to be there's always going to be those things until Jesus comes back. But we've got to understand that we are in these moments to live. He says, if you desire to see life and love and see good days, he gives this picture. He said, you must keep your tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, I invited a uh, person to help me in the first service. I did this on my own, but uh, just to keep me from making a mess, I want to invite Brandon Shepard to come up and and just help me for a moment uh, this morning. And the reason I invited Brandon uh, for, for years, when Hope was a baby, like even uh, Brandon would, would hold her and just kind of, he's always been really just a close part of our life. And he's always loved Sherry's Oreo pudding. And so I'm going to let him kind of help uh, test this this morning. So uh, Brandon, first, if you'll put this in and, and you can wait, I'll give you some Oreos and stuff to mix in there. We want to make just the right amount. So if you can just kind of spread that out in there, and, and we're, we're willing to share. We're not trying to just kind of uh, have all this for ourselves. It's kind of like a potluck. So uh, as Brandon spreads some of that uh, in there, you kind of flatten that out. If you want to pour in uh, just a little bit or however much you think is the appropriate amount of uh, Oreos, uh, 
but I didn't invite him to help in the first service, or we just have pudding. Um, that's all we, and so Brandon's going to kind of mix this up and, and make sure it's in uh, good shape. I've got a little spoon there uh, in a minute if you want to just kind of sample it and see uh, what you think about it. Kind of check that out. How that comes together. Get any more of anything? You good? We're going to share. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Thank you, Brandon, for your help. Um, and like I said, I'm glad to share it. But it's so good that it was hard to keep the tongue out of it. And if we're not real careful, that is good. It's been said that the most dangerous animal that is known to man lives in a cage with ivory bars and clay doors. You know, I said, hey, I'm glad to share that pudding. After Brandon has stuck his spoon back in there a few times, he might not be so interested in that. And what I believe Peter is wanting us to see, what I believe the Lord was wanting us to see in this passage, that if we're not careful, we can be combining all these great ingredients and we can be doing all these things, but if we're not careful, our tongue will get in the way of our testimony. Our tongue will get in the way of us being able to share that blessing. Could it be that spiritual maturity is most visibly seen by others in our ability to control our tongue? Right When we have a gift that we want to see, when we come together as the body of Christ and we uh, we are compassionate with one another. We love one another. We do all these things. If we're not careful, our tongue can get in the way of us being able to tell the story of who he is, right? I, I saw a little meme this week that says Facebook may not have caused the lame to walk, but it sure has caused the dumb to talk, right? And I'm just going to be honest, right? We've got to be careful. James 1, 26 says, if any man among you seems to be religious, yet does not bridle his own tongue. He says, that man, he deceives his own heart, and his religion is worthless. The one who desires abundant life and good days, says, must keep his lips, keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Right? There's this intentionality, right? There's this turning away from evil and this turning toward good. This, this repentance, right? That's really what repent means is, is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. And when we come to faith in Christ in those moments, as uh, great authors have said from many years ago, we turn from as much as we know of our sin to as much as we know of our God. And as we learn more about who our God is and we learn more about who we are, we continue to repent and turn. And the reality is that we have some of the greatest blessing, right? We have the ingredients that are all put together that, that we might be able to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is to this world. How we, I, I want to share, if, if we look at these verses, right, we, we see just this, this picture, and I believe what God was trying to speak to these believers that Peter was writing to, and I believe what he's trying to say to us is, listen, you have all these things together. You love God, right? We're a, we're a church that says we love God and we love people. 
and we put that love in action. We say, hey, we're a church that is exhibiting all these things. You are the work in this church, right? You get in and serve Jesus, and you're all about uh, doing all these things. And he's saying, hey, you've got all these things together. As you are uh, harmonious, right, as you're compassionate, as you're kind-hearted, as you're sympathetic, as, as you exhibit brotherly love, he's saying, you've got all these things together, but you've got to be careful because in the midst of this the message that you have it's not meant to be kept with you it's meant to be proclaimed to this world and if you are not careful in the midst of all these ingredients your tongue can get in the way from it being shared with this world verse 12 he says for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. I shared earlier, we've seen so many times in Scripture that it's not this picture of living a godly life that all of a sudden earns our salvation, but it is evidence of it. And we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And, and Peter was not suggesting that we will live perfect and that we will have, uh, because of the way that we uh, do all these things, that we will gain our inheritance but he is insisting that a transformed life is evidence of our salvation that it is evidence of who we are in Christ and I want to just ask you the question this morning as we close what story is your tongue telling right, we've got to we've got to know that right what what story are the words of our mouth telling and the reality is it may be telling more than we think and it may be revealing more about us than we think, because at the root of the matter, what Jesus said is what comes out of our mouth that reveals our heart. He said it's in the, out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Luke 6 says, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills want to encourage you and I thank God for you you an incredible body of believers that have taught me so much about what it looks like to love God what it looks like to love people what it looks like to be busy about the father's business you exhibit so many of these traits so freely and the compassion that you show the kindness that you show the the harmony that we have around the gospel and let me tell you something there are so many things that can divide us right now there are so many issues that the world would love to divide us over. And I just want to encourage you to take every issue. I don't care what issue it is. I don't care what thing that it might be. But to take every issue and just put Jesus at the center of it. And what you'll find is people on both sides of the issue that need the good news of Jesus Christ more than ever. And may we be a people that will proclaim and focus on the main things that in harmony for the glory of His name that we might lay down our preferences and lay down all these things and say, you know what? We're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus and the gospel and we're going to be united on those things. And may God help us through the power of His Spirit, right? We do not tame our tongue on our own. Scripture says, basically, or Scripture says, matter of factly in James, He said the tongue no man can and we'll never do it in our own strength. But I want you to know with God and as we deny ourselves and we hold on, as we abide in Christ and His life is pressed out through us, we are empowered by His Spirit to live lives different and 
changed by the gospel. And may he help us as we go out into this world to allow these clay bars and ivory doors to control our tongue, to allow our fingers not to do too much walking as we engage in social media and we engage in things. And may we, in the power of his spirit, proclaim the good news of who he is to a world that so desperately needs it. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me?